Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away, through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me, my strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. Selah. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Selah. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. Selah. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. The word of the Lord. It is my distinct pleasure to introduce today's guest speaker and dear friend, uh, Pastor Sam Park. Pastor Sam Park loves people, cities, and the gospel. He's husband to Esther, father to two boys, and probably the best golfer he knows. <laughs> pastor Sam is a pastor at St. Moses' Church in Baltimore. His role includes leading engagements with our neighborhood, helping people get connected within the church, and spearheading missions partnerships with preaching and preaching. Let us welcome Pastor Sam Park. Uh, thanks so much. That was kind of a joke. Um, <clears throat> I, I sent the bio from our church website, which is also a joke. I mean, it's not completely a joke, but the golf thing is a joke. But, you know, if you don't have a sense of humor, then it's like, wow. He likes golf a lot. Anyway, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm honored to be here, and I had a couple of things that I was going to really share about that. You know, one, it's a, it's a great celebration because part of uh, my family, Lydia and Jeremy, got married, which is amazing because I, rem I remember when she was born, and I was like, uh, wow, um, time flies, and and I see some, some people that I recognize, and I don't know how you still have hair, because I have no hair. <laughs> so I'm like, what's the secret? All right. Um, but um, the other thing is that uh, my church gifted me this summer with this thing called a sabbatical. Um, so the whole summer, basically, I'm just free to do whatever I want. Um, but, you know, part of it is like thinking about, you know, how to rest in God, but also how to reconnect and kind of like reflect back on my life. And so, in a way, coming here today was this kind of really incredible gift because um, this is kind of where I got my start. And funny enough, you know, I was going through all my junk this summer, and I found this bulletin from... 1998, 
It says Praise Presbyterian Church. So those of you who are new, they're like, what is that? This is kind of like the, the early beginnings of this church that um, kind of evolved over the years. And so um, I, as a young novice, really um, ignorant <laughs> seminary student, got my first internship at this church called Praise Presbyterian Church down the street over there. And I was tasked with um, being a good steward of real people, like teenagers that are now fully adult, that have kids of their own. And I look back and I go, are you sure you should give me this privilege to shepherd uh, these people? And as I look back over that era, there are some people here who have been part of my life in, in a church in Long Island, um, people who I've known in Chicago, people I've known when I came back to serve at this church, and um, there are people who've given birth to me, like my mom, and my dad is here. Um, the church that I serve at, um, some of my family's there, so I thought this would be a great time to preach without my family, but they followed me up here. I was like, can you leave me alone? No, I'm just joking. I love you. I love you. <laughs> um, and this period of sabbatical, um, one, one of the things in resting and just kind of reconnecting with God was um, reading through the Psalms. And you probably already know a lot of this, but, you know, Psalm is a collection of prayers, songs, poems. They are the collective groaning of humanity in praise of God, in confession to God, sometimes in anger towards God. I don't know if you've ever read some psalms where there, there's some real anger there. There's some real emotion, like, I really want that person dead. Lord, would you shoot an arrow right through their eyeballs and make sure they don't die right away, but let them suffer. You're like, what's, what's going on in here? They are raw emotions coming out of our being. And, it, and it's a gift. And so, um, kind of getting to read through some of that. And there's some, some that we all know, Psalm 23, beautiful. There's others that just are powerful, they're memorable. Psalm 32, as, as we heard the reading today, um, sounds confusing. Because it sounds a little bit like Jesus' beatitude. Blessed is the one, right? Blessed are you who confess, right? God who forgives our sin and who confess our sin to you. And, and I will teach you the ways of how to confess your sins. And, and in the middle, there's all of these things. And so I thought, let's unpack some of this together. Um, hopefully I'm not wrong. If I am, please talk to Pastor David. He will correct my, uh, my preaching. Um, but before I go into prayer, I wanted this to be kind of our song of prayer. So if you want to go ahead and play that. Um, you don't have to. Right? This is called uh, When I Think About the Lord. And you can think about how God has 
shape your life looking back. However short or long it has been, where have you seen When God's I hand? Think about the Lord, how we save me, how we raise me, how we fill me with the Holy Ghost, how we heal me to the uttermost. When I think about the Lord, how we picked me up and turned me around, how we placed my feet. On solid ground When I think about the Lord How He saved me How He raised how me, me How He filled me oh, With yes. the Holy Ghost How He healed me To the earth When I think about When I think about the Lord How He picked me up Oh, you can listen to that <laughs> more if you want uh, at home. Let me pray as we begin our meditation together. Father, I thank you for this time that we can gather in worship, in confession, in repentance. We come to you this morning with who we are, with our celebrations, with their griefs, with their joys, with their traumas, with our honest prayers, our deepest dreams, our deepest hurts, our songs of victory and resounding joy in you. We give you all praise and glory. May the words of my mouth meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, a rock and our redeemer. Amen. So to make this, uh, this psalm as simple as possible, I'm going to make it as confusing as possible by introducing two Hebrew words. <clears throat> and mind you, I didn't get an A in Hebrew, so um, I didn't get a C, so I got something in between. You, you deduce what I got. Uh, <laughs> Was it a plus or a minus? I don't know. I can't remember. Um, there are two words in this passage that drive this prayer, this poem, this song. And uh, I really think whoever wrote it, and it's attributed to David. So if David wrote, I think he was like a, he was like a really good hip-hop rapper. Because if you listen to good rap, they kind of do a lot of, Uh, rhyming, right? And it's not like cheesy rhyme, like Dr. Seuss rhyme. It's like clever rhyme, like Kanye, where he, well, I won't go there. But so there's two, there's a, there's a rhyming going on, and if you read in the Hebrew, there's a kasa and a nasa. I'm sure it's pronounced a little bit different than that, but for, for our sake, there's a kasa and a nasa. And kasa means to cover. It's the, it's the word where um, if you're naked, um, you cover yourself. Um, if you have shame, 
you, you cover that because it's too vulnerable. There's a lot of, the, of meaning in the casa. In fact, it evokes a lot of Genesis 3. God creates this beautiful creation. And Adam and Eve, they stink it up. And the first thing when God shows up, what do they do? They cover up and they hide. That's casa here, right? And not all casa is bad. Because sometimes we need to hide ourselves because it's, we need protection, right? But here's that, this concept. And then there's nasa. And nasa is to lift up something, to carry something heavy. And in this case here, it says that the, when, when this person confessed their sin, God shows up and takes the guilt, which is really heavy, and then forgives it, lifts it, carries it, walks with us. And then we get, we get a similar word in that in New Testament, which is encouragement, right? Parakaleo. God walks alongside us, carries us, carries our burden, listens to us. And so you got these two concepts, really just powerhouse the- theological concepts showing up in this obscure little Psalm 32. And you get this one-two punch. And so I wanted us to think about that as we look at this passage here. And throughout Old Testament, I mean, these concepts continually play out. The people of God are in Egypt, and they are enslaved. So what does God do? God takes his people and carries them out of Egypt. Um, later, Jesus sends his only, um, God sends his only son and lifts him up so that Jesus can lift up our sin, carry our sin. I mean, so you, you're going to find these themes constantly throughout Scripture. Um, <clears throat> here's the um, first part of Psalm 32 is there is a sense where um, if we do not confess our sins and we cover that sin, then you are consequently bound to carry that sin and guilt. And what is the result in Psalm 32, it says? You will stay silent, but your bones will cry out. So even if you decide, you know what? I don't know if I'm a sinner. I don't think that's my worldview reality your entire being will scream out silently, no. And I'm not a professional counselor or a psychologist, but isn't that what trauma is? When we experience trauma and we hide it, it will leak out. When the entire creation of the world that God created good is broken in sin, and we do not acknowledge that, it will cry out and leak. And do we not say, 
that our world is broken, that our climate is broken, that our relationship with one another, our politics is broken. It leak, it's leaking. Whether you want to acknowledge that sin is a reality in this world or not, it leaks out. There is a silent cry. And personally, when we don't, don't acknowledge that, it comes out. For those of you who have a perfect relationship with your family and your spouse and your kids and with all your friends, you may now go to sleep. But for the rest of us, and especially for me, the reality is that human relationship is hard. Anyone who says that marriage is just peachy and roses, because we heard some of this in the uh, wedding yesterday, right? <laughs> There's some reality to that truth. There's a reality that life is hard. There's a lot of abrasive relationships that go on. And when we do not acknowledge it, it says, guess what? It always comes out. But silently, there's a silent scream almost. That's the imagery that we have here. Sorry, dry mouth. Um, so we get Casa and Nasa playing out here. And if we cover up, we, we see one reality, right? The consequence of that. But David says, here's, here's another track. When you confess that, when you come before God and you acknowledge that, then, then the Lord comes and lifts up, carries, lifts us up, carries our sin, the weight of sin, the guilt of sin, it's heavy. And then there is rejoicing. It's, it's akin to a lot of uh, what Paul talks about is that when we are surprised by God's grace and forgiveness, there is joy. Right? There's a surprise. C.S. Lewis talks about that, right? When he, was, he found God and he was converted, he titled his uh, autobiography, Surprised by Joy. He was surprised by the, the surprise of God's goodness. Of, if you've ever experienced God's forgiveness in your life, and you've experienced God's grace, there's a surprise uplifting, right? And that's what David says. You can, you can have this reality track, and this is where it's going to go. And then here's this other one. If you confess, there's joy. Because this, this, is, how, this is how it works. And then we get the fullness of that. Uh, we get a glimpse of it. We get the fullness of it throughout the gospel narrative where Jesus shows up. Jesus teaches and preaches. Ultimately, though, he takes the cross. He goes to Calvary, and he dies. And in his death, he carries the entire weight of yours, mine, everyone's sins, 
the entire world, the weight of that takes it to the cross. And it says he dies for that, and then God lifts him up while well, he dies. And then he's raised to life and he's lifted up. And so there's the joy and the promise that those, those who lean the weight of their life on Jesus, there is a promise that God will be with us and carry that weight always. And then, and that imagery, it, it, I mean, I could stay, stand here and list all the verses. I won't do that. But just the beautiful imagery. If, if any of you have read it and you were confused, why did, why did they bring up all these imageries? That's, that's where it comes from. You know, Paul says, we are covered in the blood of Jesus. I'm like, when I was little, I'm like, I don't, I don't want to be covered in blood. Do I have to be covered in blood? But obviously, Paul is not saying, you know, Jesus died for us, and then we'll take his blood, and then we'll pour that all over us like that horror movie, Carrie. No, right? The imagery is that that blood covers us, hides us. You see, you see that flip there? We hide in our sins, but because Jesus' blood, we are now hidden in his blood, and we are given something that looks like God's glory. And then we are lifted up, just as Christ is lifted up. And our burdens are lifted up. And in, in that reality, the consequence is, wow, we rejoice in God. Because God is faithful and God is good. I had this whole example of when we hide, bad things happen. When we uncover ourselves to God, what an amazing uh, joy we receive. And uh, I'm a little unsure whether to share it or not because I've got these family people staring at me. Um, but what the hey? You know, you only live once, right? So when I was in high school, I think I was a little bit of a pyromaniac. So um, I, like to, I like to see things burn. Don't judge me, all right? I know some of you like this stuff, too. That's why you all have solo stoves in the backyard. Um, <laughs> so um, one day, I was in my room, and um, I don't know why. Well, I know why. But I took a piece of paper, and I rolled it up into a cylindrical, long shape. You know what I'm saying? And then I lit one end, and then I blew out the other, because I wasn't stupid, so I was, I was not going to inhale. I was just going to only exhale, right? So anyway, or maybe this was just a dream. This could just have been a dream, right? <laughs> so just hypothetically play along with me, right? So you know, I'm lighting this, and then, um, you know, like your favorite movie, the cool character, I had this white long stick and I was blowing out puffs of smoke and I was like, yes. <laughs> and then quickly, I realized things got out of control because unlike certain things, it wasn't burning slowly, it just exploded into a giant flame. And so, 
like a, a, a good person, I threw it in the trash can. Except when I threw it in the trash can, there was more paper in the trash can. I didn't think about this. I just threw it in there. It's reflexive. I threw it in there. And then surely more flames started shooting out. And so at this point, there is no rational thought going through this brain. It's just reaction. So I look, and I stuck my hand to put the flame out. And quickly, my brain said, no, dummy, don't do that. <laughs> because um, the pain caused me to retract. And so now the other part of my brain says, OK, do something smart. So I looked for water. Uh, clearly, there's no water. So I just found, um, I just found my, um, my clothes, and I just started hitting it. Now, those of you who know anything about pyrotechnics and all that, you know, if you start doing this, you introduce more oxygen. <laughs> and so now, instead of the flame getting smaller, it just got bigger and bigger. And, you know, in, in retrospect, as I look back, this all probably happened within five seconds. But in my mind, it was about a, a two-hour ordeal, right? So finally, I get the flame out, and I'm like, thank God. Whew, I'm glad nobody will know about this, right? And then I looked up, and I realized I couldn't see much because my entire room was filled with smoke, like thick smoke. And the really cool thing was there, you could see a layer where the smoke started, and then there was clear air. And I realized I couldn't breathe well. So I dipped <laughs> below for the, the good quality air. And as I was breathing, um, the, the, that little guy in the brain said, OK, now what are you going to do? Because um, someone in the house will know something strange is going on. So I was like, I, I know. I will open the window, and I will push the bad air out. So open the window, and it, there's, there's no air pressure. So that, that smoke is just in there. Now I'm starting to panic because I'm starting to see stars and not enough oxygen in my brain. And at this point, I, looking back, the smoke had now seeped into the rest of the house. And so at this point, I don't know if my mom remembered this, but I had locked the door. As soon as the flame went, the first thing I did instead of putting out the flame is I locked the door. <laughs> so I, I, I locked the door, and then now I'm on the floor, like, <sighs> breathing like this and doing some sort of motion to get the uh, smoke out of the room. And then by this time, my mom is banging on the door, like, yeah, what is going on in there in Korean? And um, I said, everything's all right. <laughs> right? If your kid locks the door and says everything's all right, it's not all right. Um, so obviously, you know, things worked out there. But <laughs> and, uh, you know, when, when um, my mom opened the door and, you know, smoke went. And we had a thing in our house where you turn on a fan and it sucks it all. It was an old home. So thank God for that. Um, and then, you know, I think my mom was saying, like, are you okay? You know, in, our, in my mind, my thought was, when I open that door, oh, man, I'm going to get it. 
right in the face. No, my mom never punched me. She just slapped me on the back here. But you know, sometimes we think, hey, if I am fully present and honest and vulnerable with God, who I am, man, God is going to really punch me in the face. That's not true, right? Um, these two parallels, and I gotta wrap it up. But these two parallel that we have here, um, you know, one of the beautiful things of this um, confessing our sins to God and receiving God's forgiveness, the lifting up of our burdens, our sin, our guilt. Um, is that we are reintroduced with casa. We find God is our hiding place. This, this is a, such a beautiful poem because here you have, um, um, you can hide, you can cover and hide your sin and carry your own weight and do your own thing. Or you can not hide and uncover and God will lift you up. And then God will hide you. And that's what David says, right? You are my hiding place. You are my, I found my home. That's, that's, a, hide, that's a good hiding place. That's what a home is, right? David says, when you do that, when you experience the goodness of God, you are, you are home. Your soul finds its natural home. Um, so I want to end with this. Uh, I think hopefully this works. I had three pictures. Um, so this is, uh, I, I don't pretend to speak French, but this is La Jumont. I think that's how you say it, right? This is off the northwest coast of France, or France. Uh, <laughs> and in that area, uh, apparently, the, the sea is treacherous. And, but it's also a very heavily uh, trafficked sea route between France and Europe and, and all of that area. And so, uh, so there, there's a better location. And so if you go there today, um, there's a series of really famous lighthouses there that was probably built like 100 years or so ago. And, um, uh, and I think La Jumon, La Jumon uh, <laughs> was built about 100 years ago, I think as a French, Frenchman, and he almost died in a shipwreck. And so he was wealthy, and he built a series of these famous lighthouses. Um, and the last picture I have, this is um, one some best picture of the year. And it, this captures this photographer. He decided to um, catalog all the lighthouses in, in this area, and so took a helicopter. And, but apparently it, there was this um, really heavy storm and something like 60 to 100 foot waves. That's, I don't know what, this is probably 30 foot ceiling. So 
double that minimum height of this giant wave coming at you. And in the midst of that, um, he was flying and the, the lighthouse keeper heard some noise, so came out. And just at that moment, there was a huge wave that came and the photographer took that picture and you see this, uh, this famous scene where a giant wave hits the lighthouse. And there's, there's the guy. He's standing in the middle like, oh, oh mon ami, what is going on? No, I don't know. <laughs> That's about all that I know in French. Like, oh, oh, oh. Um, <laughs> but I, I shared this picture because I think it's a little, uh, uh, perhaps a small glimpse into what Psalm 32 is saying. When you experience the goodness of God, and when you look back, when I think about the Lord, how he saved me, um, when I think about how God has shown up in my life in ways that I never thought, in the hard times where I thought God had abandoned me, but actually God was there, times where I thought, where is my life going? And I look back, and every link of my life has developed who I am now. And I go, man, and God, you had always been there. You had always been faithful, and you have always been good. And whenever I'm in need, God, you are there to be with me. You carry my burdens. You carry my sin. You give me life. And you promise that. No matter what comes at you, God is our hiding place. There is nothing there is nothing that can harm us in the midst of the most difficult storm. There you are. God's hiding place. That's the gospel. This psalm, it's a, so beautiful. And I, this is just me. I go, God, thank you for reminding me of that. If there's one thing I can take away from my sabbatical, I can say Psalm 32. God is good. I want to rejoice. And it would be remiss of me as a preacher not to do the next one, which is for those of you who've never done that, never experienced God's joy, never taken the step to say, you know, I want to lean the weight, full weight of my life on the person of Jesus. This psalm says you can. It says the Holy Spirit, if the Holy Spirit has convicted you today of your sin, there is grace and there is life. And when you respond in confession, God is gracious to forgive to come alongside, to lift that, and then carry and walk with you forever. That's a promise. So those of you who have been moved by the Holy Spirit in that sense, you know, after the service, I know the um, elders of this church, Pastor David, would love to pray with you. I would too, 
but there's like a lot of good food out there. So, no, I'm just joking. Any, any one of us, um, you know, if you want to respond in kind like that. So, um, I'm sorry I ended in a joke like that, but let me, let me pray and um, let's close our time. God, thank you for, for this reminder, for the, the prayer of Psalm 32. God, you are our stronghold. You are our hiding place. And we re- re- rejoice in that. Would you remind us once again, and for, for some of us, would you move in us through the conviction of the Holy Spirit to come before you in, in turning our lives to you as we respond to you and to your grace? Lord, would you remind us again to follow you in faith and in obedience? We ask this in your name. Amen.